For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we'll be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But first, we need to take a moment and say thank you to all of our listeners. Spotify recently released their 2022 Wrapped for Podcast Creators. And the numbers are astounding, honestly. We learned that 30% of you share the podcast with friends and on social media. And I mean, those numbers to me are incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, any Anybody who's gone through a business course or done, done anything in business, you get taught that 10% of the people that interact with your company, social media, or podcast is going to share with friends and family. 10% yeah. are going to share. Yeah. And we had 30%. Yeah. So 10% is the average. You guys exceeded that. And we're so grateful. Also, that put this podcast in the top 10% of podcasts shared on Spotify, as well as us clocking, not clocking, but um, (laughs) having listeners from 44 different countries. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and we're an English-only podcast right now. Yeah, we don't translate yet. We want to. We want to be more accessible, for sure. Yeah, that's one of the plans we have for next year, but... But that's for a different day. Um, (laughs) And now after that, since I'm I'm being told that not to release secrets again, um, I do want to say that all that is just on Spotify. So that's not taking into account other pod catchers like Apple or Google, uh, where we do have many, many different demographics that across all those platforms. It's it's really cool. We just yeah. wanted to like, I mean, I know we said this on Instagram already, but we really are grateful that you're here with us and for listening. Yeah, thank so, you. Yep, let's get to what's on your radar this week. Okay, so obviously we're going to do Russia-Ukraine, but also uh, there was a the Russian spy chief met with the CIA director. We're going to get into that story and what came out of that. Uh, the big News story of the week is not in Russia, and unfortunately, it's not the Spotify wrapped, but that was incredible. It yeah. is the Chinese protests that are continue to, to go on as we talk right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as well, we'll get into the Taliban and Pakistan have ended a ceasefire, uh, so no more peace out in that area. Uh, and speaking of terrorist groups, Al-Shabaab. Uh, went on an attack near the Somali president's residence. We'll get into what happened there. Triggered. Yeah, as always, You're... when we talk about Somalia. <laughs> Wait, no, that didn't happen to you in some. Never mind. We'll we'll get there. We'll talk yeah. about that later. We'll get we'll get to it later. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so this week's histories mysteries maybe the oldest histories mysteries we ever have done. Hmm. Um, and it is called um, Arminus Arminus's. Great deception. Arminius. Arminius's. Arminius's. Great, great deception. deception. Get that name right before we Arminius's. get down there. Yeah. 
Arminius' great deception. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? So things are slowing down quite a bit because we're we've got those temperatures cooling. No one wanted to be in this war, as somebody has said before. <laughs> no one wanted to be in the war to begin with, but now they're blaming the slowdown on weather. Like, oh, it's too cold. It is. But, if it's anything like Poland at this time, it is very cold. Oh, I believe it for sure. Uh, and Russia is also saying that they are going to use the winter as a weapon in this war. Um. So how exactly does one use winter as a weapon? Well, you know, Russia's used winter as a weapon in previous wars, like World War Mm. II. The Holomador. um, The Holomador. But in this instance, Russia's looking to destroy critical infrastructure, like uh, like gas and nuclear power, in order to shut off heating during these cold months in Ukraine. So So messed up. It looks like the plan from the Russian side is going to be to completely demoralize the Ukrainian people, the civilians of Ukraine, in a in hopes that now they are going to surrender, which was the initial thought. Well, as far as we've seen so far, that hasn't worked. Do you think this will be a be a bit different since we are coming up on almost a year of fighting? I mean, it could. You know, we're moving from uh days to weeks to months now we're almost at a year of this of this war so there could be some within ukraine that would be ready to quickly resolve any disputes and just be done with the war but that's not what ukrainian president zelensky has been saying right no that's correct so he has been talking like he's part of the side that is set to win this war and then at the same time he's also asking for more support from the u.s and nato because they're losing the war right so I don't see Zelensky being the one that's going to capitulate to Russian demands. Uh, He has said multiple times over the last couple of weeks that either Russia concedes to the demands of Ukraine or continue fighting and lose the war outright. So has there been discussion on whether Zelensky will even allow for the recently annexed Ukrainian land to be a part of the peace negotiations? Uh, So both countries actually have stated that that is a non-starter. Right. Um, Russia's not going to return the annexed regions and Zelensky has said that Ukraine is going to even demand Crimea be returned to oh, Ukraine. bold move, Cotton. <laughs> bold move. Let's see if it works out for him. Yeah. Now, with all that said, there was actually recent um, reports stating that the Russian Foreign Intelligence Chief met with Central Intelligence Agency Director William Burns. <laughs> Do you have any information on that meeting? And what could it mean moving forward? Yeah, so... Like you just mentioned, now the two men did meet. It was in Turkey. It was actually on November 14th. Um, but earlier this week, the Russian foreign intelligence chief stated in an interview on Russian television that they had met to speak about um, nuclear deterrence and the war in Ukraine. Uh, the U.S. confirmed the meeting that happened, but they stated nothing was negotiated between the two parties. Uh, Russia obviously confirmed the meeting as well. And uh, they also said that the main dialogue centered around strategic stability, nuclear security, Ukraine, and the Kiev regime. But nothing substantial other than talking, right? Yeah, you were exactly right on there. There were no peace negotiations that we know of. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times in this, there are backdoor discussions that will never come out. But uh, of course, there was definitely no support requests from either party (laughs) as if that would ever happen. Well, but thanks for that information. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the big story of the week, which 
It's the Chinese protests over the zero COVID policy. <laughs> so what is the latest going on from that? All right. So everything you said, is 100 percent true. It's the most important piece of geopolitical news, <laughs> maybe of the month. Um, the and, month? Yeah. The month of November. Give this story a medal. <laughs> Participation award. A participation <laughs> award. Thank you um, for taking thank you for making Russia and Ukraine not be the biggest story. Yeah, right. Um, and here's why though. Over the last three weeks, um, so COVID cases are going up in China. They're moving up in number, and another full quarantine was established for all of China. But this time, much of the Chinese people took to the streets to protest the strict COVID rules. Now Though demonstrations actually were triggered by a deadly fire on November 24th in the capital of Xinjiang. Mm -hmm. um, so if that name sounds familiar, it's actually because it's been in the news quite a bit over the last few years. Because uh, that's where the human rights abuses against the Uyghur people have been reported. But on this occasion, it was a, um, an apartment blaze that killed at least 10 people and injured nine others. So what does an apartment fire have to do with COVID, though? Well, according to videos of the incident, it appears that the lockdown measures for the zero COVID uh, policy had delayed firefighters from reaching the victims. And so protesters are worried that similar situations could happen in the future. Will these protests delay China's invasion of Taiwan, though? That is a great question. Seriously. Now, I will give um, my assessment. And mm -hmm. then everybody can go off and, and do their own research and come up with their own assessments. But I actually assess that the opposite is going to be true of that okay. statement. Um, so as the protests increase, as we're seeing right now, mm -hmm. President Xi is going to try everything in his power to quell the uprising. And that's uh, much like what happened in Tiananmen Square in 1989. Yeah. Uh, the protests, those protests actually led to a strengthened role for the Communist Party in domestic affairs. Uh, the, many of the freedoms introduced during the 1980s in China were actually rescinded after that. Oh, wow. As the Communist Party returned to a like conventional Leninist mold. And then they reestablished a firm control over the press, uh, over publishing and mass media. It seems, okay, I'm going to give my... Please, it's, it's, it's like, time. I do. It just makes me wonder because China had the some of the strictest COVID policies in place, and supposedly their numbers are still rising. And I'm not saying that COVID doesn't exist anymore because, like we've mentioned multiple times, we <laughs> all had it for two weeks a week ago. We just got over it. Um, I just. Wonder if there's and they're built, they're continuing to build like detention centers or not detention centers, quarantine centers, which it, it feels like a play to kind of keep control over people. Like, yeah, maybe they're not lying because obviously there's COVID, but maybe bumping the numbers up a bit or something. Maybe a it's a conspiracy theory <laughs> that just po it just popped into my head. I don't know. But even know. the, you know, the numbers aren't even that much when you're talking about billions of people and the numbers are, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred people. Oh, um, OK. But so but still, they have a zero covid policy. Meaning, and they're still building quarantine centers, which is right. kind of scary, honestly. Wh which means they're planning for something. Yeah. 
Okay, that's just me being a conspiracy theorist in my brain. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But all that's very, very interesting. And um, so you see history once again repeating itself and China becoming even more authoritarian. Yeah, so to answer the Taiwan question, Mm -hmm. Xi could use that as a way to increase national pride and rally people around the Chinese military. Um, Wait, use what are the, oh, the Taiwan. The, the Taiwanese invasion, much like, I mean, this is, so this My is tangent a tangent threw me off. Well, I'm about to go on one now, so get ready. Okay. okay, buckle in. Buckle in. Now, this is not the same. Okay. But uh, when, when 9-11 happened in the U.S., it was a rallying cry for so many Americans. Um, there, there were a lot of Americans who were not seen as patriotic that became patriotic because Hyper of the attacks. patriotic. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody had flags hanging Freedom out fries. of their windows. Freedom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember all, all those flags that everyone kept buying and hanging out their windows and right. their cars. Cause we'd right. have flags everywhere. Flags on our shirts, flags hanging up, but our, it was really kind of creepy. <laughs> Yeah. So, like I said, that's not the same as your country invading a a sovereign nation. But um, if if you can control the narrative and make it look like you had no other choice but to do it, that can be a rally. But you got to hoping. Yeah, but you got to control the narrative. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Obviously. (laughs) I'm just like, this is exhausting. All these (laughs) people. Okay. Anyways, what? I mean, it's becoming very difficult these days, right, yeah, to, control to control the narrative because there's, I mean, obviously everyone's got their phones and your government can say, no, this is the way things are all they want. But if somebody has their phones recording the complete opposite happening and then uploading it on Facebook, it kind of ruins yeah. things for your government, you know. <laughs> and so that's, you know, that's what we're going to get right into, because um, what's happening right now is the Chinese population or the Chinese people. Um, and especially that younger population, the college age population, are finding mm-hmm. ways around China's extreme censors because they don't have Facebook, they don't have Twitter, they don't have those things, and, and they, you know, they have these censors placed on the internet access. Um, how so? Okay, so um, as far as getting around those censors on internet access, there are reports going on right now that are saying that Chinese people are using dating apps like Tinder. Um, and very secure messaging applications like Telegram, both of which are not in China. Um, yeah. And, but they're using those to spread the news about what is happening in China. Now, what's going on there are these individuals are traveling to other countries. Uh, they sort of, so before they return, they've downloaded all the, the videos and stuff that have been happening in China. They post them to Twitter, Telegram, Tinder, all whatever. The, all the naughty apps that they're not mm-hmm. allowed to have in their own country. I don't know why I reacted like that, but yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Naughty apps. That's not what I meant. Tell me more about naughty apps, Tia. Stop. Oh, my God. I just mean (laughs) that the country of China doesn't want them to have it on their phone. (laughs) um, So before those people get back to China, um, what they're doing is they're deleting all that information off of their phone, going in, make sure it's completely deleted. Because once they get back in country, border patrol agents and police are going to start asking for access to the phone to make sure there's no outside information being stored. Right. Now, President Xi is going to have to continuously adapt if he wants to retain power because these protests in China are becoming more normalized. 
you know, you remember we talked a few weeks ago, the bank protests that, that yeah. we talked about? Yeah. That wasn't a few weeks ago. That was like a couple months, wasn't it? Maybe two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Ir- irrelevant. I mean, they've been, those, they've been going through a lot lately, you know, so. Yeah. All kinds of things to protest. Um, I do remember when we talked about it a few months ago. I also have not heard much from that since we discussed that. Yeah, and that's because the Chinese Communist Party um, adjusted their plan, and they were able to stop those demonstrations. But did they get their money? Um, That I don't know, but I do know they were using the zero-COVID policy to stop the protests. Right. Sounds sus to me, but anyways. Wow. Wow. Using the language of the kids. Yeah, that's what happens when you have three teenage kids that think you're sus. That think you're <laughs> so rude. We are truly seeing history yeah. happen every day. Um, let's move over to Pakistan and talk about another conflict that's brewing. What is going on with that government and the Taliban? So, yeah, um, Tariq al-Taliban, Pakistan, uh, which is colloquially known as the Pakistani Taliban, made a statement this week that the ceasefire that had been in place for months starting in July was ended, and they told their supporters to begin attacks on the Pakistani government. What? I didn't waste time? Jeez. Peace doesn't seem to last long these days. Have there been any attacks since the end of the ceasefire? Unfortunately, there have been. (laughs) Um, So this week, a suicide bomb blast struck a police vehicle in the southwestern Pakistani city of Quetta. Now, that bombing killed at least one police officer and two civilians, but it also wounded dozens of other people. Um, mm-hmm. The Pakistani Taliban did take responsibility for the attack, and they claim that more are on the way. So we're going to continue to watch this. You'll see these posts on our Instagram account. Um, mm-hmm. What I will say is this is important because it could bleed over into Afghanistan and cause more damage for both of those nations that are struggling to keep peace. Do you think the U.S. will get involved? Um Again. If they're asked to do so, I could see like a small contingent of special operations forces sent to help the governments keep peace. Mm-hmm. But I don't see that request coming at all. After no. last time? Well, yeah. What we did last time, bungling Afghanistan? No wonder yeah, so they don't want our help. They, uh, yeah, we, you asked the way they, that we left Afghanistan. I say we. Um, I wasn't there, but. He just means the country. The, yeah. That he is a, I almost said a member of. A, <laughs> A citizen. He's a member of that America Club. I'm an esteemed member. Of the America Club. A VIP, if you will. A VIP. Oh my gosh, what is wrong with us today? uh, Let's stay on task here, okay? okay? Um, So, yeah, like we were talking about, the U.S. left Afghanistan. It was a terrible exit. Uh, They brokered Mm -hmm. a deal with the Taliban of Afghanistan in order to leave. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was terrible. And then relations between the U.S. and Pakistan just historically have not been good. Well, we will definitely be keeping track of those events. But let's move to Somalia with another Mm. terrorist group wreaking havoc on a government. What is the latest between al-Shabaab and Somalia? Mm. So the listeners say the the Instagram account once again came in clutch because we put the news up there uh, as it was happening. That mm. This week, al-Shabaab militants took over multiple buildings adjacent to the presidential residence in Mogadishu, Somalia, which is the capital. 
Um, of course, that's where the president would live. Of course. Now, this started a clash between al-Shabaab and government security forces, the Somali government security forces. Is the fighting still ongoing? Well, fortunately, in this case, um, well, I guess it's fortunate as long as you aren't on the side of al-Shabaab. <laughs> uh, but Somali security forces did storm the hotel uh, that al-Shabaab was fighting from, and they ended a day-long siege. Uh, but it wasn't all good news because nine uh, civilians were killed, including one possible British national. Oh, gosh. Now, that yet-to-be-named British man was said to arrive in Somalia less than two weeks ago. Uh, didn't know the purpose, why he was there, uh, so I won't go into that. But yeah. he was reportedly shot by militants who were wearing suicide vests. That is incredibly sad news for his family. Well, for all all of the civilians who died as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's time we do history's mysteries. Can you give us something to distract from all these terrible events? I'm going to try. And I think okay. we got something here because we are going, as we said, way yeah. back in time. For this so, <laughs> well, with a name like, well, now I forgot his name. Arminius. Arminius. Well, with a name like Arminius, I imagine we're going pretty far back. So how far back are we going? Well, we are going far enough that the people that we are going to discuss in this week's History's Mysteries may have heard, may have heard rumblings of a Messiah that has come to save the Jewish people. Oh, baby Jesus. Little, little baby Jesus. Little baby Jesus. Um, and this, so this happened in nine AD. Mm -hmm. um, Arminius was a Germanic leader who served in the Roman military. Now he pulled off one of history's greatest deceptions and maybe the most significant betrayal in human history. That's a, that's a heavy mantle to carry there. Yeah. I hope it lives up to it. Cause I'm going to be very mad at you. If it turns out <laughs> that all he did was just like rat on somebody. Killed Julius Caesar. What? Oh, no. Whoa. <laughs> oh, okay. So I guess this week is ancient histories mysteries. I mean, maybe. Uh, hey, if Netflix comes calling, do oh, the, Lord. the ancient I'm... histories mysteries. That's what History Channel is for. Oh. If, <laughs> if you are going to talk aliens, we could probably get a show on History Channel as well, well too. Yeah. Tie, in, tie in aliens and baby Jesus, and we got a hit. There we go. Not this time. No aliens this time, but uh, I'm going to work on that. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to find the, the Jesus alien. The Jesus history mysteries. Tie, tie it in <laughs> together. And then we'll we'll get that History Channel money. But let's move on to. Uh, we're, we're, we're making crap up, guys. So don't yes. think for. Yeah, we're just being silly. Made. I like this how is, we. <laughs> this is true part, though. Here we go. Ready for okay. the truth. All right. Yeah. All right. Do the truth. Um, Arminius was sent to the Rhine, uh, if you know the Rhine River, mm -hmm. where he served under Publius Verus. <laughs> I had to catch myself for just oh, a I, second. I, yeah, that, that name. Did you see my face? No, I didn't see your face, but I know it was a good one. Mm. It was a good face. Now, now Publius Verus was a mm. Roman general who was related by marriage to the Emperor Augustus. Mm -hmm. um, and Varus was tasked with completing the con the conquest of Germania up to the Elbe River. Um, he was known to be a brutal leader, however, and so he heavily tasked those Germanic tribes with 
uh, with fighting and doing the dirty work. So, so basically like Putin in Russia. So what happened? Of course. Yeah. They? They, were, they rebelled. Yeah. Um, and that was when Arminius decided he was going to be more loyal to his fellow Germans than to his Roman employers. Well, then what is his great deception? Okay, so while acting as a guide for Varus in 9 AD, Arminius became one of the first double agents in history when he lured Varus, lured Varus, Nerd. and his army into an ambush. It was known as the Battle of the Teutoburg Forest. Um, now, three of the Roman legions were annihilated. Wow. And Varus himself was forced to commit, to commit suicide because it was either that or be captured, tortured, and killed. Publius Varus? Publius I really want to say, I really want to say it the other way, but this is a family show. Yes. <laughs> Kind of. <laughs> we are all around the McManus table right now. So yeah. Keep, so it, keep it clean. Keep it, keep it kosher. Okay. So our Herminius is <laughs> deception. Did you see what I did? You didn't want to see what I, you didn't see what I Keep well, it hit kosher. Hit me again. Because you, you mentioned Jesus. I said, keep it kosher. Oh, there you go. As right. they did all in right. 9 AD. That was, yeah, that was not as funny as I thought it would be because you didn't even hear it. But all right. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> so, Arminius's great deception, we talked mm -hmm. about, yeah. actually halted Roman plans for expansion into Germania and Central Europe. Um, so the impact of Germania remaining outside the Roman Empire was so far reaching and it's so historically important. That region eventually became a springboard and highway for the barbarians to come into power. And they eventually destroyed the entire Roman Empire. That resultant cultural and political differences uh, between the barbarians and the Romans were, uh, were actually reflected in the centuries of antagonism between the French, who were more uh, Roman, and then the Germans, who were more barbarians. And this greatly impacted Europe for nearly two millennia. So that's what I really love about history and doing these stories of history's mysteries. Uh, it's because these stories shape how we see the world today. So mm -hmm. we look at them and see these borders of France and Germany, and they could really look much different if not for, you know, on the surface, it seems just like some blip in history. That's very true. I mean, what would the world look like if an event like this had been carried out differently? Yeah. Um, is there anything else for this week? Okay, I do have uh, one more thing, if you'll allow me, before we close out. Hey, this is your show. Go ahead. <laughs> I, well, I received a few questions from a listener from the UK. Uh, they did not give their name, so I can't okay. say who that is. Shout them out. Yeah. I can't shout them out, but if they do want to come back and give their name, please do. Because they yeah. offered up some great questions that I'd like to discuss here. Okay. What did they want to know then? Well, so they asked um, that they made a statement that the U.S. has been harder, has had a harder stance on China for years. They wanted to know when did the U.S. make the switch and is it comparable to the Cold War era switch for Intel communities in what we call the Five Eyes, which are the, the countries that we kind of give intelligence to. And did you give a response? Because I sure as heck can't. Yeah, so um, I did. It falls 
somewhat into a history lesson. So maybe it's fitting to put it at the end of History's Mysteries to provide that answer. Okay, that makes sense. So when did the U.S. take a harsher stance on China? All right, so to answer that question um, about when the switch happened, we're going to go back in time. And it was Richard Nixon. So not as far back. There's no baby Jesus here. No, it's a couple of years after. Yeah, it's a couple of years. Oh, I just started. (laughs) It was Richard Nixon who who actually normalized relations with China. Okay. He was the first president to travel to Beijing in 1972, um, since China became a communist nation. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, U.S. President Jimmy Carter actually solidified the relationship with China by not officially recognizing Taiwan as its own country. Right. So then with Chinese relations normalized in the U.S., China would begin its rise as a major power player on the global stage. Um, They were added to the U.N. They'd convinced the entire globe that their goal was just to improve their economy. But in retrospect, right, you you understand it. Um, I know where this is going now. They lied. (laughs) They they lied about their intentions. They just wanted to control as much of the Indo-Pacific as they could. Right. um, At the time, we talk about the Cold War and how it's different from our Cold War relations, because at the time the U.S. was discussing relations with China, the Chinese government was actually at odds with Russia, both communist nations, but they were at odds with each other. Um, By the time Nixon took office in January 1969, the Soviets and the Chinese were openly at war with each other. Um, That was along the Surrey River. Um, There was a point where Russia even approached Nixon and asked what the response would be if Russia used a nuclear weapon on China, um, to which Nixon said he would not approve. (laughs) Thank you, Nixon. Thank you. You did one thing right. Thank you. Uh, Kidding. Yeah, it did a couple of things right, but he kind of yeah. blew it. Yeah, he definitely blew it, but everybody knows that. Yeah. Um, it's actually only in the last two, dec- two decades that the relations with China have deteriorated to where they are today. Um, mm-hmm. And now the U.S. has improved its relationship with Taiwan. So what has happened in the last two decades that changed our relationship? So one of China? those is uh, what we talked about before, um, Tiananmen Square. In 1989? In 1989. Now, once China began to crack down on dissent in the country, in China, the U.S. Mm -hmm. began to see the lies and rethink relations. Yeah. As well, China had had, and it still is, covertly acquiring U.S. equipment and reverse engineering it to improve their military. Mm -hmm. Um, One of those cases a couple decades ago uh, was the brief capture of a U.S. uh, aircraft carrier. And that laid the groundwork for China to build their first aircraft carrier, which looks exactly like the U.S. version. Of course. And all of this has brought us to where we are today with China. Well, thank you for that. And thank you to our listener for that question. Yes. Um, is there anything else? So I mean, they asked a couple of Russia-centric topics, but I'm looking at the time now and we just don't have time for it this week. Yeah, we don't want to keep you guys glued to your whatever your podcast your podcast. I don't know. nobody wants to hear us talk for longer than 30 minutes true anyways as always if you like this show please try to tell at least one person about us we can be found wherever you listen to your podcast and if you have a moment head over to apple and spotify podcast and give us a five-star review sorry guys i've still got a tickle in my throat not po- i'm not COVID positive anymore but i've got a residual cough anyways 
If you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify Podcasts and give us a five-star review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oakwoodanalytics.com. Yep. And as you guys have seen, it really did help in Spotify getting those out there. Um, what we didn't mention was one of the things we had in our wrap was we are a five-star podcast. One of the oh, few five-star podcasts out there. Right. So put us in the top 10%. But as, as yeah. I always say, and I mean it every week, Tiana, thank you so much for, for doing this. And until next week, stay safe out there.